the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Mark Warner is here, international trade lawyer. Laura Babcock from the O Show and with Power Group Communications. Anna Bailao is here, former Toronto City Councillor and mayoral candidate. Good to have you all. Anna Bailao, I, I trust you found things to occupy yourself with since not being elected mayor? After a break uh, on uh, Sunny Beach, yes, I have. I've uh, been quite busy these last few weeks. Good to hear. Well, I don't think your political story is over. It's nice to have you on the panel today. Um, it's not exactly a debatable, but we got to talk about it. It affected tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people yesterday. Train chaos. The Up Express wasn't working. Uh, CN trains weren't moving via rail, but most importantly for people listening right now, Go Train. Um, Anna Bailao, I appreciate this seems to be an extraordinarily rare occurrence, but I figure we got to find out what happened and make sure it doesn't happen again. You're absolutely right. The key is uh, for us to understand is how rare is this? Is this going to be something that is going to be impacting reliability of the system? Because it's huge for people that use the transit to know they can count on the system. And this is if this is something that we're going to start seeing happening once in a while, and if we don't get on it right away, it will impact ridership. There's no question about it. And uh, when we have the downtown Toronto still uh, underperforming, people are not coming back to the office, as we see uh, the numbers in other cities, uh, this is a big issue. It's a big issue for people's daily lives. It's a big issue for our downtown uh, recovery. Uh, and it's a big issue for the future of uh, public transit. And it would certainly seem this is some sort of an internet tech error. Laura Babcock, it illustrates, I think, that when we come up with these wonderful, elegant technological solutions for things, we fail to appreciate that if it all comes apart, then we're, <laughs> we're going to be in a mess certainly does. It shows our dependence. And in fact, it wasn't just the afternoon commute. My husband was hours late. He didn't get home till after midnight last night coming in from Toronto because it just, you know, this it, the delay was like domino effect, right? And there didn't seem to be added buses or anything to alleviate it. At least that was his experience. Incredibly frustrating. And there's a lot of people who commute into Toronto from other places, as we know, in the GTHA. Uh, so no, this is a big deal. And, and they say internet outage. I want to know. I hope it's not the case, but it's is this some kind of a hack? And if it is, to your point, John, that just goes to the incredible vulnerability that we have. We've heard for a number of years that North America is particularly vulnerable to hacks to some of our major infrastructure. Uh, we just don't have the system strength or the system protection for the new threats that are out there. So I'm hoping this is just some glitch and they can correct it and they can create some sort of a backup so we don't go through it again. Uh, but we've got to take this stuff seriously, how reliant we are on technology when technology can be disrupted. And Mark Warner, there's been no intimation yet that it was a hack. I know our friend Joe Warmington at The Sun thinks it could be, but there is no shortage of international players who have a hate on for Canada right now. Yeah, I wouldn't speculate on that. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. You know, I, I didn't know anything about this until you sent it, sent it around the stories this morning. Because you didn't I was notice the hungry. trains from your windows yesterday? I didn't notice them, but I, you know, I was hunkered down actually working on another forensic legal matter involving a railways in another province uh, from a couple of years ago. So I was too busy looking at trains out west as opposed to these ones. Um, you know, John, I, growing up as I did for part of my time anyway, in Pickering and commuting back and forth, I have to tell you, I grew up with a lot of um, train outages. So this is deja vu for me also commuting as I did from 
Toronto to McGill, I sort of lived with lots of uh, train outages. So um, I know people are spoiled and everything is supposed to be perfect. But I'm of that age where I'm sort of, uh, are you kidding me? Or this is, you know, if this continues to happen often, if it turns out to be hacked, then I think I'll get more of my attention. But uh, having suffered through so much of this growing up, I have to tell you, I don't really find it all that uh, newsy. Okay. Well, let me stick with you for a second for another news story, and that is the House of Commons electing a new speaker who is the first black speaker of the House of Commons. Is that of significance to you? You know, I sort of separate my thoughts on this two ways. Obviously, anytime a black person achieves a... Uh, a, a high office of some sort or a new does something first it's always a, a great uh, moment to stop and note it um and it is a you know a, can offer some uh, inspiration to younger people particularly so that i applaud greg fergus is is uh, is i don't know him personally i've only interacted with him indirectly um but i do feel that he is awfully partisan and um you know, the, the, we haven't had a lot of great black parliamentarians but the ones who we have from lincoln alexander the Howard McCurdy and NDP representative have never really been that partisan. They've never sought to make black issues, black Canadian issues, the subject of you know partisan political, what the British call party political issues. And so I, I don't, I have a sort of distaste for his tendency to try to turn black Canadian issues into partisan par- political uh, party political issues. And um, you know his his avid defense of Justin Trudeau and any numerous scandals he's been involved with. I just don't know how he can function as a speaker. So I'm uh, happy for the appointment. It is uh, any sort of institutional party that is positive. I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm a little bit less impressed for the actual individual. Yeah, that does seem to be uh, the common wisdom, Anna Bailao, that uh, he's kneecapped a few people in the past who may still have sore knees as he takes the throne. Um, I, I do think it is significant, though. I think it is important that our institutions, um, you know, reflect the, the population of Canada and reflect our communities. And I think this is significant. It is important and it is inspirational for everybody. Um, I, I do think that he has his work cut out for him. I and mean, we've seen the tone uh, in the last few weeks uh, alone. So he does have the work cut out for him. Uh, we do know that he has been partisan in the, in, in the past. He has been, you know, out there in the media speaking on behalf of the government others in in several in other parties haven't been as outspoken and as partisan he has and so he's going to have a little bit of work on top of the tone that we see at the house he's going to have uh, a, a bit of work to uh, gain uh, the trust and to prove himself uh, to to his colleagues but i think people were supportive and excited yesterday so i i think it's helpful um listen i want to hop to a few other things but laura babcock i'll start with you on this one it's another first wab canoe 41 years old so it's a brand new generation elected to a majority government yesterday in Manitoba. And uh, Dave Agar has been texting me this morning. And apparently I'm misspeaking when I say he's the first indigenous premier. He's the first First Nations premier and they're not the same thing. But anyway, you slice it. This is a first. Yeah, it's a huge moment. Boy, was there ever a lot of adulation last night. Uh, I think that the country has been dealing with some pretty disturbing narratives over the last few months, certainly that we've been speaking about. And it felt as though this election, the stakes were not just about Manitoba, by the way, a place which I lived in for a number of years, but it was about um, what, you know, what was moving people to action to show up and vote. Uh, and, and some of the numbers were crushing in the election. You know, it, it seemed 
seemed as though people were really making a statement. That's how it was being positioned. And I think the rest of Canada was watching it carefully. The Conservative leader was running on a parent's first agenda. Uh, and we have seen some sides of that particular language and some actions coming out of that agenda that are disturbing to a lot of Canadians who, who want us to live in a country that is based on kindness and support and building each other up and, and having the kind of society where we can count on, on good health care and, and good um, communication between people. So I personally was thrilled that it was a route of that particular ideology. And I also, you know, there's a challenge. They've said that they're going to restore the kind of services and the kind of Canada that Manitobans clearly want. Uh, but they also say they're going to be fiscally responsible. So that's that's a hard line to manage. Uh, but I, I am very excited about the message that it sends. And Anna Bylaw, it was a curious tactic of the Conservatives who were defeated last night. Um, it, one can almost understand saying it is going to be our policy that we don't think it's a good move to go to this dump and to continue to spend like five years looking for the bodies of missing Indigenous women. It's another to put it on a billboard as a, an election promise, as if it's a virtue. I, I, I think the strategy made a lot of people, not only in Manitoba, but across the country, scratch their head. And 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 I think it backfired on them. Uh, I think it actually um, made a lot of people engage in this election and, and it helped uh, uh, the NDP and the premier. And... Uh, do they have a fine line that uh, that they have to 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 balance? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Laura mentioned uh, what he said about being fiscally responsible. I thought it was interesting that even last night he he kind of you know nudged the business community uh, to uh, to to meet with them and to work with them. So he he's he's reaching out to all different communities to to bring the province together. Uh, but that strategy from the conservative government clearly backfired, and it was the wrong one in in so many aspects. Mark Warner, you've lived in cities all over the world. You're a bit of an internationalist. Curious about your thoughts on Venice charging an entrance fee. It'll be five euros a day. You know, my first reaction to it was, I guess the article pitched it as the first city to do this. And I thought, because I happened to live in Paris when they first introduced the congestion charges and other sort of, uh, you know, the charges for who could come into the city, what days of the week people had alternate licenses could come in and then of course london introduced their congestion charges so that's i always saw those as a as an entrance fee i think some you know to some extent when you have particularly um segregated cities or even like paris where you have minorities living out in the venue and the suburbs um and then you could have costs like that you sort of uh it, it, this very much looked like an entrance fee so so I, I so this i guess is is what's 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 different about this is this is an express uh, entrance fee. Um, you know, we do have those fees for when you travel that you pay at the airport for coming in. You know, we don't sort of look, think of it as an entrance fee. So, I mean, yes, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I guess I don't find it all that novel because um, uh, I think there are other precedents that are pretty similar to it. Okay, and Laura Babcock, I can't let, as I sometimes call you, Miss Hamilton, uh, go without asking you about this proposal, no right turn on red in Hamilton. I like it. <laughs> I've lived in provinces where you didn't get to turn right on red, and the problem with right turns on red, it feels very convenient, except that uh, people, motorists, have a tendency of looking at the left side to see if there's oncoming traffic as they make their right turn. And it's I'm always very paranoid about missing a bike that's coming up on the inside where there's no good bike lanes um, that are separated. I'm, I'm always very concerned about that, and if you don't take that extra chance 
check constantly, that's where people get injured, right? And so um, having having that go like other provinces do, where you don't make a right turn on red, you wait. And there are some intersections near my house here in Hamilton, John, that have had so many incidents of pedestrians getting struck that they have blocked right turns on red already. So there are individual intersections in Hamilton that already have this. We yeah. have a hot rate of cyclists and pedestrian injuries and death. Um, and our traffic here really is out of control. So I, I applaud uh, Councillor Kretsch for putting this forward, and I hope it gets implemented. Not a lot of time on the clock, but Anna Bailau, when thinking of Toronto, right on red is not very safe, but it's good for traffic flow. Yeah, and and we, we also have in Toronto certain intersections that you can turn, and uh, I, I'm a, more of a fan of something like that, that you do have it on intersections that visibility is not uh, good and, and that you have incidents uh, happening uh, instead of just blanking it. Um, I, I think you can have uh, safe streets and, and have intersections that have uh, no turn on right, but uh, to blank it right away... Um, uh, I, I think it's a bit much. I, I, I like the more on a on a case by case basis. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. Anna Bailau, Mark Warner, and Laura Babcock. Catch the round table. Round one at seven forty five. Round two at eight forty five. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk ten ten Toronto.